You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. And welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here for another Digital House Church here at Reality Honolulu. Um, thankful you would spend your time to be with us this morning. Uh, my name is Riz, pastor here at Reality, if you didn't already know me. Uh, just blessed to be able to worship the Lord and to get in God's word, even despite um, being distant like this. Um, and as we do, we want to continue our time of worship with our morning tithes and offering. This is another way that we can give to the Lord and as an act of worship and actively participate in the building and furthering of his kingdom. You can find more about how to do that and, and what it entails on our website, realityhonolulu.com slash give. But um, without further ado, I want to pray for that, that God would use these funds for his glory and his namesake in and through reality. Honolulu, as well as uh, pray for our time in the Word this morning. So why don't you join with me? God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the ability to gather um, in our homes or wherever we're listening or hearing this. And we ask, God, that you would stop us right now, that, that our hearts would be in tune with what you want to do. Before we get into the word of God, we just want to say thank you for your provision, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides for us, that carries us. And God, we just thank you for the ways in which you've provided for us to be a church, despite all that's happening, that you, we've seen you be faithful and um, seen you move in, in and through reality Honolulu. And we pray, God, going forward in 2021, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all we can hope or even imagine or even ask for. So God bless our time today. Excited for what you're doing. Um, help us to feel united and together in the midst of this, even though we're distant right now, physically. Thank you that you're our king and you sit on the throne. You sit on the throne. Uh, speak to us through your word now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we jump right into the word of God, which is Amazing and great and wonderful. We're going to do that. Acts chapter 15. Uh, I want to just make sure that you are plugged into the church as much as possible. Sometimes we have announcements on Sunday morning. Sometimes we do different videos through the week or just social media, but always an email newsletter and all that stuff. And so if you're not already um, in tune with just our website, realityhonolulu.com, um, all the ways you can sign up for an email newsletter, you can follow all our social media accounts. Um, obviously, you can watch Sundays too, but you, you miss you miss quite a bit if you just come to Sundays. So I want to make sure you're um, you know involved and aware of what's going on. And so please uh, subscribe and follow and check out and and keep in touch um, that way as well. But without further ado, um, please turn with me. Grab your Bibles to Acts chapter 15. We're going to be going through uh, Acts chapter 15. Verse 1, all the way through uh, 35 here. So not quite the whole chapter, but um, a, a good piece of it. And so I want you to read it with me. Um, get there right now, you know, turn or flip or get your Bible app. Acts chapter 15, I'll be reading out of the NIV uh, translation. But as a quick recap, 
Where we ended up last week was uh, finishing off Paul's first missionary journey, right? This was Acts chapter 13 and 14. We looked at what God had done through Paul and Barnabas as the gospel spread forth out of the, um, you know, Israel, Syrian area, across the Mediterranean to Cyprus, into modern day Turkey, and the gospel, open doors of the gospel uh, went forth to the Gentiles, those non-Jewish people and nations. The gospel was going forth and spreading uh, to the ends of the earth. And um, it's an amazing couple chapters where we see this. And today, what we see today, right on the heels of that, after Paul and Barnabas get back from this missionary journey, on the heels of that, the overall context of today, just so you kind of know what it is we're reading and where we're going, is that a discussion arises out of whether or not Gentiles, which are non-Jews, in addition to believing if they needed to also follow certain Jewish practices. An example here would be circumcision that's talked about today. In order to be truly or genuinely accepted into the family of God as Christians. Kind of a big deal discussion today. And the gist of our text we're going to walk through, as, as you'll see, is that we're going to talk about the problem that arises, the debate that follows, the decision that's made, and then what we can glean from it here and now. Uh, precursor, if you didn't already know in the book of Acts, we are going to not get to a lot of this, meaning like we're going to read each verse of the book of Acts. Like even today, there's 35 verses, but we have like 30 minutes here to dig in. It's going to be broad. It's going to go in some places, but there's a lot, uh, especially for you guys that are like wanting to go super, super deep. That's obviously not going to happen in all the ways you want it to. But again, we're going to walk through it. We're going to read through it. We're going to explain it and apply it. But again, uh, I'm, my, the intention is not to get to every single detail or to um, dig into everything. Wish we could. And uh, again, I encourage you this week with your Ohana group or with friends or family, like go do that. Like dig in by all means. Uh, tons of resources and stuff for you as well. You can reach out and we'll let you know about But. Anyway, here we go. Acts 15, 1 through 5, the first few verses, we see the problem that arises. It says this, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought, up, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done for them. Verse 5, look at this. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. In addition to just believing. Whoa, hold up. That's, that's why the, the hold up there, that's why this is important. 
there's an addition, additional step or requirements being talked about in addition to just believing that you might need to do if you're a non-Jew being saved. But before we jump into that, I want to give us a little history uh, of the Gentile conversion, right? For several years now in this, this place in history, in the story here in Acts, Gentiles had been brought into, into faith in Christ and welcomed into the church by baptism. And this was a really big deal. Um, we talked a lot about this back in Acts 10 and 11. Uh, we studied it. But this concept of being saved from being outside of the Jewish people, non-Jews being saved, was already something back then in, in 10 and 11 that was needed to be discussed. And it was foreign to the Israelites. And again, this was due to religious, racial, and social barriers that had been put up. And if you remember, kind of where this started, right, is when this God-fearing centurion in Censoria, Cornelius, uh, in, in Acts 10 and 11, we see, we see salvation in those chapters come to the Gentiles, and we see this discussion happen, and when, when the, the Jewish leaders heard about it, they heard that their, that their um, salvation was genuine, that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, that they were baptized. Um, when the Jewish leaders heard this and the full facts were presented to them, um, they received it. They were okay with it then, right from the very beginning. And then we see in Acts uh, 11 as well, there's this remarkable movement in Syrian Antioch where, where um, the gospel began to go to the Greeks also, and a great number are saved. Uh, the Jerusalem church again hears about this, and they send Barnabas to investigate, and they're kind of decision there in Acts eleven twenty three is that they saw the evidence of the grace of God through Cornelius and Caesarea, through uh, Syrian Antioch, Gentiles, non-Jews are being saved. And even then there was this discussion of, whoa, 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 can this happen? Should this happen? Is this for outside of the Jewish nation? And, and thus far, um, They've agreed, and they've seen the evidence of God's grace going to the Gentiles. And then, kind of the third development in the, in, in the history of the gospel going to the Gentiles is what Luke chronicles on this first missionary journey that we just saw in the last two chapters, right? Um, like the, the pro-council of Cyprus, like a complete outsider was believing. Um, later, you know, Paul and Barnabas... Um, like declared that we're going to turn our attention to the Gentiles, right? Like Jews were actually opposed to this good news and they were turning their attention, we see in the end of chapter 13, to the Gentiles. And also then we see, um, you know, at the end of last week, the report that Paul and Barnabas came back and gave is that they spoke of their missionary journey and the open door of faith that God had made for the gospel to go forth to not only the Jewish nation, but to all nations, Jews and Gentiles alike. And so far, it's been fairly straightforward. The Jerusalem leaders have been able to be reassured that God was in all of this thus far. 
And, but, you know, especially in the last two chapters, Acts 13 and 14, like this Gentile mission is gathering momentum. It's not just a couple people. It's not just like Cornelius or, or a couple of people in Syrian Antioch or whatever. Like Paul's going for it. The spirit of God is moving and like <laughs> Asia and into Europe now is being saved. I mean, this is a big deal. And again, the Jewish leaders hadn't had any difficulty with the general concept of non-Jews believing, like we've seen that. Um, but now, what we see in our text today is a particular question was forming in their minds. And it was, what means of incorporation into the believing community did God intend for these Gentiles? Like, what did they have to do to be a part of this believing community, which is really the main point of our, our time today here. Because so far, it had been assumed that they would be absorbed into Israel, right? These Gentiles that are saved, you're now absorbed into Israel by circumcision, which is very distinctive and set the Jews apart. And by also observing the law, they did those things, the law, the law of Moses given to them. If they were circumcised, if they observed the law, if they lived by the law, they would be acknowledged as bona fide members of the covenant people of God. That's what they believed. But something quite different was happening here, however. Something which it says here disturbed and even alarmed many. What happened was is that Gentile converts were being welcomed into fellowship, into the family, by baptism, but without circumcision. And, and I know that's not a big deal for us. That is a huge deal for these Jewish people, for these Jewish leaders, for their understanding of what it meant to even be saved and accepted into the family of God, their God, right? God, the God of uh, Israel. They were becoming Christians. These Gentiles were becoming Christians without also becoming Jews. Again, this was like triggering for them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can that even happen? These Gentile believers were retaining their own identity and integrity as members of other nations, but as followers of Jesus. Which again, is what God had actually always intended to happen. This is exactly what God intended to happen. But again, some Jews, these Jewish leaders, were struggling with that. Again, it was one thing for these Jerusalem leaders to give their approval to the conversion of Gentiles. Yes, non-Jews can be saved. But this idea of approval of conversion without circumcision or following the law or these Jewish traditions, without those, that was where the real issue came. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if that can happen. And what this chapter is wrestling with is the idea of whether authentic faith in Jesus could be obtained without the works of the law. Or another way of saying it, could genuine commitment to the Messiah be made without inclusion into Judaism? 
This is the dilemma, which we'll see in the next verses. The dilemma was, was their vision here, these Jewish leaders, was their vision big enough to see the gospel of Christ not as a reform movement within Judaism, like an adaptation or kind of just one way or a different way, but rather as good news for the whole world and the church of Christ, not as a Jewish sect, but as an international family of God. This was the dilemma. This is what they were wondering. Was this just kind of a reform movement within Judaism, or was it good news to the whole world, not just a part of Judaism? but an international family of God. And so what happens is, is a debate follows. This is a pretty big deal. So Acts 15, 6 through 21, read it with me. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Speaking of Acts 10 and 11 with Cornelius in Caesarea. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us uh, and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke or a burden that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Verse 12, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. <coughs> Excuse me. When they finished, James spoke up. All right, so all of them here defending this. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described for us how God first intervened to chose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. It's quoting Old Testament prophecy right here. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. Things known from long ago. And James goes on to say in verse 19, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from foods polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and their blood. For the law of Moses have been, has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Okay, so what happens here? His Jewish elders discuss it, they consider all of this, and then a combination of Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James defend the work that God is doing, right? We see that in verse 6 through 11, Peter recalls what, what God did through him with Cornelius and others in, um, in Caesarea by the sea. The Holy Spirit fell, like, guys, I was there. God honored the salvation of the Gentiles, and again, verse 11 there says, no. Like Peter says, guys, guys, no. 
we believe, what we believe, what's core to our faith is that through the grace of our Lord Jesus is that we're saved just as they are. (laughs) We're going to get to this in a few minutes, but this is a core doctrine to our faith into into Paul's message in all his letters. But all that said, after Peter, after Paul and Barnabas, James, another disciple, speaks up and he reminds the apostles and elders of their shared common Jewish ancestry in the form of Jewish prophets before them that prophesied about the Gentiles, right? In verse 17 specifically, it says that even all the Gentiles who bear my name, thus says the Lord. Then James ends this section with a way forward and a compromise with some suggestions of how they should think of it, communicate it, and and what they should ask of the Gentiles. And so after all this, a decision is made. Verse 22. Uh, Verse 22, and we'll read the rest of the chapter until 35. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send some of them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they, they sent the following leaders. Okay, they picked the guys. Now they're sending their response. This is their decision. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. The letter says this, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And then he, they do what James told him to do. You're to abstain from sexual, uh, excuse me, from, from sacrifice, uh, food sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the, meeting, uh, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men went off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and they delivered this letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had uh, sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Okay, so this ending section, here a decision is made. Faithful men were chosen to deliver the news in a form of letter, right? Verses 23 through 29 is that letter. And what that letter is intending to do is to clear up and set right what was told to them in verse 1. Just... Look at your page, chapter 15, verse 1, starts off our chapter today, that certain people were going around, coming down from Judea to Antioch, and were teaching believers 
that unless they were circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, they couldn't be saved. And so this letter is trying to clear up, address these rumors and these wrong teachings, and with authority, like, right, but like they're writing, there's a lot of authority here. Paul and Barnabas with these other men, by, by the authority of the Jewish elders, like we declare, we clarify that that is not true and that is not right and you do not need to be circumcised to be saved. Again, there were still a few things that they were asked here, godly ways of living, so maybe some cultural implications there. There were some few things that they wanted to communicate to them, but nonetheless, they were really trying to clarify a very important thought and idea and something that was just told to them, that unless you're circumcised and you obey the laws of Moses and pretty much become Jewish, then you can't be saved. And they're setting this right. They say, no, no, no. It's by faith, by grace through faith. The response to this, as this letter was read to these Gentile believers, these new Gentile believers, the response that says was encouraging. And I'm sure it was freeing because they could now follow, they, they knew, they knew now a decision was made that they could follow Jesus in their own cultural context. They were truly saved. Just by believing, just by faith, not by additional works. And when we end this chapter here, this section here, it ends well. I think right doctrine is taught, rumors are corrected, definitive decisions are made on Gentile inclusion without works. And people, people were encouraged. And the word of God continued to spread. But... And here's where the application for you and I and for the rest of Christianity comes in is that the church from this point on didn't stop struggling with this concept. And we aren't immune to this either. And this is what I mean. I'm speaking to the thought, belief, or ideology that in order to be truly saved or accepted, into God's family, you need to believe in Jesus and. Or you believe in Jesus, but you also got to do some work. As you can see, that is really dangerous, that thought and that ideology. It's destructive, and it ultimately is a distortion of the gospel. That's what we see here in Acts 15, that the gospel was actually being distorted. It was being added to in, in a way that was not right. And again, for us and for every Christian, or for most Christians after this, it most likely is, is in a different context with different issues. It's like not, not Jewish and circumcision. Those aren't maybe the additions or, the, or, 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 or what's being asked. But for you and I and for other Christians, looking back at the last 2,000 years since this happened, for whatever reason, followers of Jesus were susceptible to adding extra requirements to those that are saved in order to be fully accepted into the family of God. And I know that might seem like, what? That's crazy sounding. But it happens. One example, just one example would be if we were to study just the past few hundred years of, 
of worldwide missions, specifically if you're going to look at um, European and American missions to other foreign nations and peoples. As much as there was so much fruit like, and good that was done, and many were saved, and the gospel went forth, that, that happened also. But in that, unfortunately, knowing it or not, what happened is that much of the culture of that missionary's own culture was pushed on the host culture, and many requirements or changes were asked to, to be made in addition to just believing that would turn people into converts. Again, this is not always the case, and this is not true of everybody everywhere by any means, but unfortunately, in large and subtle ways, the effect of overseas missions and missionaries did this, and sadly, much of different people's cultures and ways of life were seen as not as superior, in some cases, kind of a requirement, or what was taught was that in addition to just believing in Jesus, what it meant to be a Christian was to give up your own culture or a lot of your culture to become more of a civilized Christian. And again, this is where it gets dangerous and a slippery slope, and unfortunately, uh, this has happened. Again, this wasn't always the case, and for, for a lot of it, it wasn't nearly as far as in order to be believed, uh, in order to be saved, you must believe and, but nonetheless, much damage was done to people in the name of Jesus with this similar ideology we see in Acts 15. And to bring it even closer to home, like even to this day here in Hawaii, if you tour the missions homes, uh, missions houses down there downtown by Honolulu Hale, you hear the story of these American missionaries, these East Coast missionaries that came over, right, 1820, 30, 40s and stuff. And there's some amazing things that God did through them. Amazing. And the, the gospel was brought. And people were saved. People come to, came to know Jesus. But as you take this tour, some of it, to be honest, as you, as you hear the tour, is cringeworthy. Like in relation to this very thing. And again, I'm not trying to like bag anybody or whatever. I'm just saying, oh, even our brothers and sisters that first came to Hawaii to bring the gospel that did so much good, even in the midst of that, you, you, you hear about things, well, well, they didn't want Native Hawaiians to do this, so they asked them that. They wanted to be more civilized. They were too barbaric. And you all of a sudden hear all these additional West, Western culture that was asked or pushed upon Native Hawaiians that was not necessary. Things were asked of people in addition to just merely believing with the sense of, well, to be fully accepted or to be fully a Christian, you need to do this. I believe, again, it's just my opinion, we can discuss it later, but I think there was things told by missionaries to Hawaiians that shouldn't have been. Now, again, there's nuances to all this, and I know I'm going to sticky waters a bit. I get it. I get it. But, of, but, but I want to say, of course, there's a change in all of us, in any culture, that needs to be made when you get saved, if any of your culture or practices or things you do are sinful or dishonoring to God, then of course, after you're saved, those things need to be worked out and aligned, right? Each person 
in the midst of any culture uh, or any cultural heritage needs to, 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 to take stock after they're saved and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God reveals to them uh, what they should and shouldn't do anymore. But here's my point as I pull back. Here, here's, why, here's my point. The danger is when we impose the Jesus plus, excuse me, Jesus plus ideology on anyone. So the point of my whole history lesson here in application is what I want to point out is Christians, any time in history, including ourselves right here, right now, aren't immune to distorting the purity of the gospel. That said, I think it's only right as we end today that we too are careful and we're aware of possibly our own right? Cultural, denominational, or traditional ways of doing church and following Jesus, that when we're sharing and welcoming new believers into God's family, that we're really careful, like, to not impress other things, our own things, what we think's better on them, especially when people are different than us. Again, I'm not talking about scripture and what scripture tells us, but I'm saying our own maybe cultural or, or traditional or denominational biases, which is exactly what was happening here in Acts 15. Because as, as a pastor, unfortunately, more often than I've wanted, I've seen and heard Christians ask and require new believers to do some like unbiblical additions and really mar the purity of the gospel. Like, you're saved, but, or you need to also. Or like, yes, believe, but. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not okay. That's not right. The very thing Paul and others are fighting against here. And guys, I want to leave you with a pure gospel message to actually know how we're saved. And again, it's just really reminding us of what one of Paul main's, main, Paul's main message was when he wrote his letters in the New Testament, um, and it's highlighting this very thing. And it's this, to be saved, it's by grace, through faith, and not by our works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If you didn't get anything and you got lost in my history lesson or whatever it was, this is the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Grace alone, faith alone. And what that means is, is that God loves, forgives, and saves us, not because of who we are or what we do, but because of the work of Christ upon the cross. Can I get an amen? I know some of you are saying it. See, after we're saved, of course our lives rightfully will change because we're becoming more like Jesus. But to be saved, there's no need on our part to become something different or to clean our own selves up first. 
What the gospel would say is come as you are. Jesus has done all the work already. Believe and be saved. And then once you're saved, begin to live within your own unique cultural context and identity. But now by following Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. My hope as we leave and worship and enter our weeks is that we would rejoice in the gospel. The good news that we are saved not on our own merit, but on Christ's. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time, and we thank you for this amazing reminder that we can come as we are to the foot of the cross. That as messy of, as our lives are, what our past is like, we can come to you, Jesus, that we don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to like start going to church and start doing this in order to be saved or to be made right with you. That you did that. You died upon the cross. You did the work. All we need to do is believe. And then afterwards, that's when uh, the work will continue. But God, I, I pray that we would rejoice that we, that we don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to fight for it. We don't have to hustle for it. It's a free gift of God for those who would believe. And so God, I, I pray for uh, all of us that would be settled in knowing that we are saved by grace through faith not by works. Pray you'd be exalted in our time of worship now. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, um, so blessed to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're not done. We're entering into a time of worship right now, musical worship once again. And so please, uh, Allow what God spoke to you now. Spend time during worship right now to press in, to pray, to journal, to exalt his name, but like, like press in to encounter Christ right now. Let's do that. Uh, love you, church, and I'll see you soon.